to mini episode 97 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, I need to make an apology. So I was duped. Little did I know that the stairs in the woods story, while the stairs in the woods phenomenon is real, the stories that accompanied it were apparently from a short story writer named Kerry. And those stories have long since been debunked. Well, not debunked, but she... You know, she, she she's a writer and I didn't realise that at the time, which is a, probably a testament to her good storytelling that I had no concept that these stories weren't real. However, however, before you get really disappointed, the lovely person who emailed or who messaged me on Instagram to, to point this out to me then said, but I've never heard the meowing, the man meowing in the in the forest story. So maybe that's a different person. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I got some emails about the stairs in the woods. And the first one came from Tom, who said, Hello, I was listening to the stairs in the woods episode. And the woman's story about the weird human robotic meowing in the woods reminded me of a similar creepy encounter I had. I was delivering newspapers overnight in a rural country town. And as I was driving slowly past a farmhouse and cornfield, I heard what sounded like an incredibly deep man's voice saying the word meow, sounding it out slowly and hitting each letter and syllable. I stopped, as I was only going around 10 miles an hour, to try and hear it again, and I heard it once more, but couldn't see anything at all in the field or near the house. Everyone I told about it said that it must have been a peacock or a deer, but I've googled every possible sound by both of those and nothing sounds like it. The lady's story is the closest I've ever heard of something else making that sound. And then I also got an email from Anne who said, The latest episode, The Stairs in the Woods, scared the shit out of me. Then you switched to disembodied meowing and I broke out in full-on diarrhoea. When I was in college, my friend and I lived in a creepy shack on the edge of town. One night we heard a weird sound outside. It was a flat, non-feline meow over and over again and getting a little louder and closer each time. By the time it was right under the leaky windows, we were panic calling the police. Naturally, when they drove up, it stopped and they just thought we were high. We never figured out what it was and moved to a less creepy but more cockroachy place as soon as we could sublet the shack. The meowing is a real thing and it's scary as fuck. So on one on the one hand, I was really happy that the stories were apparently made up. But on the other hand, I was less happy that we had uncovered a new phenomenon similar to the Whistler, which is men meowing in the forest. Brilliant. And I have five listener stories for you today. And the last story comes from December the 10th, 2020. And story number one comes from Valentina. A little background. I'm five foot four inches and I'm just kidding. I'm originally from Colombia in South America and I lived there a good 10 years before I was adopted into an American family. I now live in Missouri. This story takes place back in my home country. When I was around seven years old, I stayed with my father's girlfriend and her family for the weekends. I never really had any experiences as a child, none that I acknowledged anyways until right about this time. A couple of weeks before this experience, my dad's girlfriend's father passed away. And where I am from, it is normal to keep the dead's ashes somewhere visible in the house. 
I'd gone over and most weekends I would share a room with someone in the household because, you know, I was a kid, of course. This night they told me that I needed to sleep in my own room, the guest room. This room was on the other side of the house. It stretched down this long hallway away from every other room in the house. The room's lock was also broken and the lights did not work, but that didn't bother me. So I just did what I was told and walked down to get ready for bed. I did my usual prayer and then I stood at the window for a while watching the city lights. The city was quiet at night, so usually there would be no noise coming from the window into my room like cars etc. After I was done gazing I decided to sit on the bed and dangle my feet. And after a few minutes, all of a sudden, a voice from under the bed started speaking to me in a tone that was not understandable. I got up from the bed and started crying while this thing from under my bed was yelling and talking. I ran towards the door that had gotten stuck because the door had locked on itself. And as I was struggling to open the door, the voice got closer and louder. When I finally managed to open the door, I ran down the long hallway and the dog they had at the time came racing towards me, barking. But she wasn't barking at me. She actually continued to run past me down the hallway and stopped right at the entry of the doorway to the room I was locked in. She kept barking at the inside of the room and then began to bark at the top of the ceiling right outside the door. While this was happening, I realised I had run all the way down to the living room and stopped right where the ashes of her father were. I did not know that this man had passed away and I didn't know about the ashes being in the living room until that moment. I know it was not someone from the house because everyone in the household was in the other room in the front of the house and when the girlfriend checked the room, there was nobody there. Of course, they did not believe me and they blamed it on my imagination. But I know what I experienced and it wasn't my imagination. From that day on, I've been terrified of the dark and I continued to have experiences. I can never sleep in a dark room without feeling uneasy. And I do not feel uneasy everywhere, just in certain places and spaces. I hate this story so much. You know that fear that everyone has about dangling your feet off the edge of the bed or sleeping without the blankets on or running up the stairs and throwing yourself onto the bed. This is the reason why this is why these stories are born. These fears that we still carry around as adults that something's going to reach out from under your bed and grab you. Oh, Valentine, I did not enjoy that story. And story number two comes from Kaylee. I live with my mom and her boyfriend and I'm 14. My sisters and my brothers have moved out already and it's just me and them and I have a story to share about my experiences. When we first moved in here, I heard things. Weird things. It started getting worse and I heard people whisper in my head. Or I'd feel like someone is behind me or watching me. Or even touching me. One time I was in the kitchen opening the fridge and I heard someone whisper in my ear really closely. And then another time I was sleeping in my room, home alone. And I felt someone touch my back. And then sometimes I hear people walking upstairs or seeing shadows of people. Another time I saw a big, tall, black shadow figure run really fast across the room, 
and I got so scared that now I hate being alone and I always feel like I'm being watched. Okay, Kaylee, it always baffles me, first of all, that young people listen to the podcast. Uh, I just, I don't know why it baffles me, but I find it really fascinating that young people listen. And secondly, if you haven't told your mom or your mom's boyfriend, tell them. Tell them. They might be able to alleviate your worries. They might be experiencing things too. It might be good to talk to somebody else in the household about it. So I would just tell them. And story number three comes from Lisa. My family has always had some gift or another. My son was born an old soul and from a very early age, he showed signs of interacting with invisible beings. Things like talking to nothing in his little language and giggling suddenly for no reason. As he got older, around three or four, he would beg to have the radio on at night while he slept. I always indulged him as his requests weren't too bad. Just concerning. Especially one day I asked him why he slept better with music on. He just shrugged and said that music stopped the voices. But things like this were normal, and we all knew that he saw things we didn't. He is now an adult with a family of his own, and like most gifted children, he did not outgrow his gifts. He later told me his curiosity and desire to understand allowed him to continue seeing things. He can even communicate with spirits. My mother passed away in December of 2017, 321 days after my father. We were all very close. My son and my parents were literally next door neighbours. When I lost my mom, it was devastating to me. A year after my mom passed, my husband and I decided to move out of state closer to my son. A week before we arrived, I was having a bad day dealing with my loss. I went inside myself and pleaded to my mom that if she could hear me to please have Joe call me. Joe was my son. I was pleading and crying because I needed to know that my mom was okay and figured she could reach Joe to call and it would confirm and bring solace to my heart. To move and look for jobs for residents, we stayed at my son's house for a week. My grandson slept on the couch and we used his room. On our second night there, many strange things happened. As I lay in bed to sleep, I kept getting this sense that something was trying to get my attention. It kind of felt like a pet jumping up at the foot of your bed and walking up your side to your face. But every time I would sit up to look, there was nothing. This happened around four times until the last time, when I was startled out of bed. My grandson's window had regular blinds on it. You could see the streetlight through the slats. Every time I would look to see what was on the bed, I could see light through the slats. The last time I felt the movement on the bed, I was startled so bad, because as I looked again to see what was there, the light in the window was blocked out. There was a dark figure in the way. I gasped and bolted straight up and slapped my husband's butt so hard he jolted up. In the same instant, the shadow vanished. The light was through the slats again. My husband was all discombobulated, tried to wake up enough to hear what had just happened, but bless his tired soul, he just dozed back off. I sat there and said, okay, you got my attention, but I'm tired, so let me sleep. And there was nothing more for the rest of the night. The next morning, I was telling my son's wife about what happened. 
She is used to our family, so she just shrugged. And later that day, my son got home, sat down and just started telling me about a presence in their home. When they were remodelling, he thinks it woke up a past owner of the house, or as he explained, a very strong masculine presence. He said about a week before we arrived, there was this presence hovering over him. He can usually ward them off, but this one was pushy. So when he finally acknowledged the presence, my son just said, what? He said the spirit said in a very stern voice in his head, call your mom. My son said he just thought, who are you to tell me to call my mom? I explained my anguish to my son about wishing I knew his grandma was okay the week prior and pleading for her to have him to call me. We still don't know who that spirit was, but somehow he heard my pleas to my son and tried to relay my message. My son said it wasn't my dad, but it was just a very strong male. To this day, they share the residence and when I go visit, I always tell him hello and to give my mom my love. Ooh. Just these stories of loved ones seemingly coming back to reassure the people that they've left behind that they're okay to give them a sign and to give them a message those stories always fill me with so much hope and joy and it's like I always say I don't think it really matters what you believe whether you're a skeptic or whether you listen to these stories and you roll your eyes or whether you listen to them and you believe them if they bring somebody peace and comfort then that's then that's really what matters and story number four comes from Rowan This story is about my grandmother. Our family is a farming family and has moved around through the years. At one particular farmhouse, there was a large forest with a bad reputation for crime. This was on the outskirts of Glasgow around 1980. So one night, my grandfather was out at the main farm as it was lambing season and they were all busy. My grandmother was left alone to care for three kids, the youngest of which was a newborn and it was around midnight when she heard desperate knocking on her door. My poor gran was terrified, so she locked all the doors and bolted upstairs after checking on the children, of course. As she was sitting on her bed terrified, she decided to try her best to get some sleep, and as she lay down, she felt a weight on the end of her bed as if someone had taken a seat. My gran, being a curious soul, she poked her head up to see a man at the end of her bed, but she wasn't scared because it was her father. The only thing was that her dad dropped dead when she was around 11. Her father's ghost was a source of great comfort and she slept the best that she had slept in years. Regardless of all the paranormal stuff, it is so scary if you are on your own somewhere remote and you think somebody's trying to get into the house or you think that somebody's outside or like this story says somebody was banging on the door there is no way if I was living somewhere remote that I would answer the door no way I know there's going to be lots of people listening to this who'd be like why would you answer the door it might be somebody in trouble but no I don't I, th- I think I would I would just call the police and say somebody's banging at my door and I think they might be in trouble but I'm not going to take the risk to find out It's almost as though the ghost of her father came at a time when she was really frightened to bring her that sense of calm and bring her that sense of comfort. And listen, she got a really good night's sleep out of the bargain as well, so that's always a good thing. 
And story number five comes from Pearl. I think dark spirits followed my father when I was a child. Actually, no, that's what my father thought. Let me give some background. He didn't like to talk directly about it. Only in vagaries. Growing up, my dad would switch from religion to religion and explored everything from Mexican shamanism to Christian evangelism before finally settling on Buddhism. He felt that what the Buddhists call angry ghosts most accurately describe what he has seen. Looking back on it now, he seemed to have a desperate need to try and explain his experiences, as if an explanation was a type of protection. What I've gathered over the years comes from piecing together various bits of conversation and reading journal entries. I know the following things about my father's experiences. When he was at college in the 70s, he followed a girl to a house party he should not have been at. The house was owned by the Hell's Angels and the girl was the lure. They robbed him and his friend and threw them both in a pit in the backyard. The gang yelled, jeered, threw bottles and rocks and threatened him with growling attack dogs on chains. He then caught the eye of the gang's leader. He said that the man had completely black eyes, that they were pure evil. At that moment, he had two realizations. He was going to die, and that man was a demon. He didn't die. They toyed with him and his friend and scared the shit out of them before eventually letting them run away. My grandmother was a witch. When my father's father divorced his wife for his secretary, my embittered grandmother wanted revenge for the betrayal. My father said at that point forward she hated all men. She started a coven which included my father's sisters as well as other women they knew. They met in the house my father grew up in to draw pentagrams on the floor, light candles and sit in a circle, casting hexes on ex-husbands and other men that had wronged them. My father was kicked out of the house when he was 18. I never really knew my grandmother. I have a vague memory of meeting her once when I was very young, maybe two or three, when my parents had come to dinner at her house to attempt a reconciliation. I think I remember she joked about poisoning the food. My mother said some years later that on that night my grandmother had stolen the baby hairbrush out of my diaper bag and was concerned that she wanted the hair to cast some kind of spell on us. Of course, I had no idea what she was talking about at the time, because it wasn't until a decade later that my father told me the rest of the story about my grandmother's coven. Not all of my father's supernatural experiences were negative. My father told me once that he dreamed of my brother and I before we were born, when my mother was pregnant with each of us. He said that little spirit came to him in his dream to let him know that we were coming. It is interesting that both my brother and I in his dream were very different. In his dream about my brother, my brother was a small baby who was given to him by a spirit couple and he understood they were asking him to take care of my brother, that it would be his responsibility now to raise and guide him. With me it was completely different. I didn't have any spirit family, I came alone. I walked up to him as a little dream girl, cautiously meeting him with a brave smile and said hi. I guess you're supposed to be my dad then. My things go missing and reappear after a while in strange places, or if I ask the universe to give them back. The first time this happened I was six or seven, so very young. 
but this memory I swear I will never forget and I also enlisted my parents in the search. I was playing with my Etch-a-Sketch before bed one night and my mother came in to make me go to sleep. I didn't want to. I wanted to stay up playing with my Etch-a-Sketch. I had just been given it as a gift from my grandmother, my mother's mother, not the one that practiced witchcraft. I decided I would comply with the sleep order, but as soon as I woke up in the morning, I would continue playing with the Etch-a-Sketch. I strategically placed it on my doll cradle so I knew just where it was. In the morning, however, it was not there. I panicked, started looking through all of my toys all around my room, but the Etch-a-Sketch was nowhere to be found. I freaked out and started to cry in panic. I ran to my parents and they joined in the search. My parents looked everywhere in our house, which wasn't very big at the time, it was only a two-bedroom. That toy was just gone. We moved out a few years later and it was never seen again. When I, a teenager and still apparently upset about my missing toy, talked about the incident with my father, my father told me that the night that my Etch-a-Sketch went missing, he had a waking dream where he saw another girl in my room while I was sleeping in bed. This other girl was a bit older, a young adult, and her body glowed with light. She had long hair and strange tiger-like stripes on her arms. She looked up at my dad in his dream and smiled, not threatening, just curious, and then continued to play with my toys. My dad was visited by a dark entity that got into bed with him. I read this journal entry that I found when I was cleaning out his things. The incident happened when I was three or four and my brother was only a newborn. My father was sleeping in a separate bedroom than my mother. They rarely got along and slept separately for as long as I can remember. His journal said that at night he could hear things walking down the hallway and he would go out to check on my mom, my brother and I to make sure that we were all okay. He wrote that he was lying in bed and the room suddenly became very cold and he felt unable to move. He said he then could feel something lie in the bed and feel fingers running down his side. He was finally able to break free, but the experience greatly disturbed him. He saw shadow presences in the room. The journal was short, only detailing this one experience, but my dad has mentioned the shadow monster, which he thought was a demon that followed him, even when we moved into a new house. I think this entry was about the time he started reading Carlos Castaneda, Lucid Dreaming and Shamanism, in an attempt to try and protect himself while he slept. He continued to be troubled by those shadow creatures for the rest of our time growing up, but he didn't really like to bother us with it, so we talked of it rarely. That didn't keep my brother and I from having our own experiences. When I was growing up, I was used to hearing invisible people walking up and down the stairs. My bedroom door opened up to the landing. It was the first room you reached from the stairs. I would sit in my room and listen to the footsteps. Sometimes slowly, one creaky step at a time. Sometimes a fast clatter of footsteps like someone running up the stairs on all fours, and then nothing. It would get to the top of the stairs and stop. It was startling sometimes, but after a while you just got used to it. I was a very no-nonsense child, and my brother was completely the opposite. When my brother was five or six, he told me that he saw shadow people. He would get scared and go and sleep in my mother's room. 
he saw red eyes coming from the shadows of his room. Apparently my parents took this seriously because of my father's experiences. I never took it seriously. I just thought it was my dramatic little brother being dramatic. My brother would tell stories about how in the woods in the front of our house there was a swamp where people got stuck and never escaped and how they were angry because they were stuck there forever. I would roll my eyes and tell him to go and be weird somewhere else. Typical big sister stuff. My mother acknowledged that my brother and my dad were experiencing these things but she never saw anything herself. Apparently the men in my family are more likely to be susceptible to angry shadow creatures. Or so I thought. Until I got to be around 10 or 11 when I came face to face with a shadow creature. I was home alone doing schoolwork while my dad was at work and my mom and my brother were out at the market. We lived in the country in upstate New York and it was a safe area. Nothing but woods for miles and miles. I was used to being home alone. My mother could anger easily so I tended to solve my own problems instead of going to her and my dad was always at work. I liked being alone. I could relax and do what I wanted instead of dealing with my drama queen little brother or my temperamental mother. I say this so you will understand that my experience in this particular afternoon was out of character for my normally self-contained pre-teen nonchalance. I was sitting at the kitchen working on maths exercises when I saw something moving out of the corner of my eye. I jumped and stared at it. It was a large, dark form standing in the corridor across the room, at the entrance between the living room and the kitchen. It wasn't a shadow. Shadows imply that something is standing to cast a shade. Instead, it was the absence of light, like a black hole, darker in the centre and lighter shades of grey at the edges. This shadow form didn't say anything. It stood menacingly just staring at me from the corridor. I looked away and then looked back and then looked away and back again and it was still there. I freaked the fuck out. I got up and just grabbed the phone and ran out the door to call my mom. This was in the 90s, so the early days of clunky cell phones, but my mom did have one. I told her that there was a scary shadow creature in the kitchen. She paused on the other end, and then in what sounded like a somewhat exasperated voice, simply said, Call your father. I called my dad at work. I'm sure he must have felt a little funny having to walk his daughter through dealing with shadow monsters while speaking quietly in his cubicle so his co-workers wouldn't hear. My father told me to let our dog out of the kennel and bring him inside with me, that our dog would protect me and he told me that the shadow creature wouldn't hurt me, that it would go away. I hung up the phone with him, prepared myself to do battle with the shadow creature. I brought our spaniel inside with me, and sat back down in my seat at the kitchen table, stubbornly refusing to let any darn shadow monster upset me further. My dog settled under the kitchen table on my feet to reassure me. I swear that I could still see something like a dark blur in the corner, but only if I was unfocused and didn't look at it straight on. At that point, I was beginning to feel less startled and more like testing the entity. It felt to me like it was trying to scare me, which I was annoyed with because it was our house and it was the one that didn't belong. But I also felt very aware that I was just a little kid and probably not powerful enough to take on some shadow monster one-on-one. So instead I resorted to mentally setting boundaries with the monster. 
I told it sternly that we live here and it is not allowed to just randomly show up in the rooms we're in to scare us. No, if it has to be here in the house, then it is only allowed to be in the room that we don't use, the living room. Our house had a den, a family room, and then a formal living room, which we almost never used except for special occasions. I let it be known that there would be no more of this showing up in corridors to watch us. It was to stay in the living room and leave us alone. And you know, I think it listened. The shadow monster went away and left me alone for the rest of the afternoon. Our living room always felt very cold from that point forward. When it was dark, I would dash by the room on my way upstairs, afraid of what I couldn't see in its shadows. I felt like I could feel the tendrils of dark shadows snaking at my ankles as I darted up the stairs. I don't know what it is about dark living rooms, but they're just scary. As I hit puberty and became a teenager, however, I started resenting this arrangement with the shadow creature. I was angry that I had allowed it any part of the house at all. When I was 12 or 13, I decided that I needed to get rid of this fear of dark living rooms once and for all. I was an avid reader and had just finished reading The Lord of the Rings, loving the poetry of the book. I decided I needed some magic words to ward away any dark shadow monsters. I also loved studying history and I remember reading about Peter the Great's fear of water. He overcame that phobia to go on to build a Russian navy. Peter the Great overcame his fear by forcing himself to stand the water and prove to himself that the water couldn't hurt him. You may see where this is going. I decided to go and stand in the dark cold living room and recite my mantra over and over again until there was no more shadow monster. I still remember the mantra words I wrote in all their epic tween glory. I am the fire that burns away fear. No resistance shall bar my way. Lighting is my sword and providence my shield. Know me and flee. At this point in the story, I must admit shame in previously accusing my brother of being the dramatic child in the family. But there is something about being 13 that makes everything feel a little bit more life and death. At the time, the mantra worked really well. No more shadow monsters ever tried to eat me. Not while I stood there shivering in my pyjamas in the living room anyway. The real turning point for my confrontation with the shadow monster happened not long after I decided to confront the darkness. I went to bed and found myself in a waking dream. Everything in my dream room was completely the same as in the waking world but I felt an ominous dark feeling in the pit of my stomach. It was cold. I could see the frost escaping from my breath. I got out of my bed and looked into the mirror that was hanging on my bedroom wall. There in the mirror I saw it. Instead of my reflection I saw the shadow creature, whose physical characteristics were now completely revealed. It wore a black robe and had a hood over its head. The head was shrunken and skeletal. There were black sockets where there should have been eyes. It stared at me, threatening and laughing at me with gaping, twisted jaws, as if to say, how dare you try and confront me, you pitiful small person. I was standing there in my dream, just frozen in the glare of the shadow creature inside my mirror, when I felt something like a dam break inside me. A rushing warmness swelled through my body up from my feet, 
The warm calm spread throughout my limbs, pooling in my chest. I opened my mouth and I heard myself make a booming guttural sound so completely inhuman that I startled myself. I can only describe it as a lion's roar, as if all this strength I had summoned was now escaping through my mouth. The shadow creature seemed stunned. The mirror shattered. I stunned myself and I woke up to find myself standing in the middle of my room. But I wasn't afraid. I was shaking, but I couldn't stop laughing. I sat down in bed and just laughed while tears streamed down my face. I knew that I'd won the standoff. The shadow creature can go fuck right off. Dream mirrors are interesting things. They are hyper-real dreams, images that break the reality of normal sleep and startle you awake. The next time I looked into the mirror in my room while dreaming, I saw myself, but in a full suit of armour. As an adult looking back, I question really whether any of that was actually paranormal in nature. Now I think it was a way to deal with my fears, to learn to control my emotions and decide what type of person I wanted to be as I became a teenager and then an adult. The last time I saw the dream mirror was only a few years ago. It was an ominous dream again, and the mirror showed me my grandmother dying. I do not think that the dream mirror is actually a gateway to the spirit realm, but I think it's a way for me to see my subconscious. It shows me how I see myself and what I'm afraid of, things that I wouldn't necessarily admit to myself consciously. I tend to think now that many of my father's demons are dark shadows of the mind and all his searching for meaning in religion has led him into that eternal trap. Just because you name your demon doesn't mean it'll go away. After that night confronting the monster in the mirror, my dreamscape in general began changing. No longer running from monsters, but now trying to protect others from them. That story felt like an epic battle from start to finish and I absolutely loved every second of it. The most impressive thing about that story was the fact that you read Lord of the Rings when you were 12 years old. I, I very vividly remember trying to read it when I was like maybe 20 and uh, got a couple of chapters in and I was like, well, I'm not doing this again. Don't know who's who. Had to keep going back to check the names. So if I was a demon, I wouldn't take on somebody who'd read Lord of the Rings. That would be my um, that would be my line that I wouldn't cross as a demon. I'd be like, no way, man. That person read Lord of the Rings and enjoyed it. So I'm not, I'm not taking them on. No way. I think it's really interesting as well that you started your story with the idea of trying to trying out different religions to find a name for what your father was experiencing. And then getting caught in that loop of of trying to f- trying to name it, and then actually, it didn't release him from anything, which is a really interesting idea. Thank you so much to Valentina, Kaylee, Lisa, Rowan, and Pearl for your stories. Remember, the last story came from December the tenth, twenty twenty. If you would like to send your story, and you can do so by emailing it to realifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail You can also check out the website realifeghoststoriespodcast And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>